0: You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. Well, today I have a couple of moments that have been really special to me, very sacred to me. That's not one of them, the echo I'm getting. But anyway, um, the first moment was early this morning, about 7 o'clock. When the doors opened, and for the first time in twelve weeks, I heard the congregation just kind of, you know, roaring a little bit as they were coming in and visiting. That was such a precious moment. I tell you, the second uh, thing that I'll remember from today—and I mean this—was listening backstage to you singing. And and I'm, I'm not supposed to to play favorites or to say one's better than the next, but you guys totally blew everybody else away today. Okay. I just want you to know that. You really did. You you guys were singing so loud. I could hear it was just like every voice in this room was engaged. And um, thank you for that. It was so much fun to listen. And I tried to join in, but you couldn't hear me. And that was good for you too, okay? Another thing that I'm going to remember about today is all of our volunteers who have been here since very early this morning and cleaning this room multiple times and all the things... I, I mean this, we, this, this has taken a lot, just a, a, a lot of effort to get everything going. Uh, we've had Julia just being a rock star, getting everything together for us just day after day. It's been awesome. Dwayne and his team cleaning the building. It's just, listen guys, this has been like the weirdest season ever. And yet, the, 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 the staff here, the team, has been such a blessing to me. So I wanted to say that. And it's been a long day, but it has been such a good day to be in God's house. So it's been a while since when we've been able to do this together. But will you stand with me as we stand together on the solid rock of God's Word? We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. As we continue our series on spiritual warfare... We've been in Ephesians 6 the last two weeks, but now we're going to go to 1 Corinthians and hear another angle, so to speak, of spiritual warfare. The foe we fight, the battle we must win. That's our sermon series title. But for today, what we're going to talk about is all for the sake of the gospel. Listen to what Paul says, and may it radically alter your heart today. That I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak. That I might win the weak. I become all things. To all people. That by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. That I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run. But only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it every athlete exercises self-control in all things they do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable so I do not run aimlessly I do not box as one beating the air but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified let's pray together Lord there are so many deep truths here and we only have so much time together God, will you help focus my mind and heart that we can hear what you want us to hear. Lord, help me to say what you want me to say. And as Rich prayed earlier, my heart is heavy and broken for our country, our culture. Lord, it's, it's hard to preach on a day like today. But I pray, Lord, that you will help us to see the power of the gospel and how the gospel is relevant for times such as this. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Church, are we all in for the gospel? Well, yeah. Amen. Finally. In three services, I finally had somebody answer me. That is not just a rhetorical question. Church, are we all in for the gospel? Amen. That's what we are called to do. Paul gives us no wiggle room here. He is telling us that we need to be 100% all in. Last week, if you were tuning in to us, back when I didn't have a live studio audience, Talking to you through the camera there, we talked about how in the church today, there's a little bit of a concern that that people are thinking about maybe going on to heaven before they fight the good fight in this world. In other words, they're putting on the robes of heaven, because I assume that's what you wear, and you have the halo. Mike, will you have a halo? (laughs) We'll see. Um, You know, we wear the robes and have the halo Uh, But no, listen, before we get to that place, we have to put on the full armor of God. That's what we talked about last week. And many times when we talk about receiving our reward, we think about the heavenly reward. But look what Paul says the reward is. Because in the verse right before we started, he says this. He says, what then is my reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge. He says, my reward is to be able to preach to you. Now, chapter nine is really a a Paul making a defense for him being a preacher and being supported by the church. It's an interesting argument, but he says, listen, my reward isn't any kind of compensation you give me for doing my job. He says, my reward is to be able to share the message of the gospel. That was his passion and he knew that was the power of God unto salvation. And we believe that too. Friends, we can have heavenly hopes, but the question is, what are we going to do while we're still here in this world? God wants us to be a church that is active and fighting the good fight, fighting not against other people, but again, as we've been saying, fighting against Satan and his minions. And his minions aren't those little yellow fellows, okay? I mean, we're talking about the demonic. We need to be prepared for that. We need to have our hearts right, fighting the right battles, winning the war, all for the sake of the gospel. Have you fully ac- a- a- accepted and appreciated? The call of the gospel in your life. Because every one of you in this room, you have a call on your life. I'm not the only called one in this room. If you're a minister, if, you've, if you're ordained or whatever, that's great. But we are all called to be ministers of the gospel. And we need to get ready to do the work of the ministry. And we need to be ready to count the cost. We have to be all in for the gospel. When I was a young man, there was a song that was played many times during invitations. And it went like this, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And so church, that's what I want to challenge you to think about today, what it means to follow Jesus, no turning back. And hear this, Jesus is not asking for more of your life, he's asking for all of it. And today we're going to look at what that means in three ways. We're going to see that Jesus is asking for all of our freedom, he is asking for all of our mind. And he is asking for all of our body. Let's begin by looking at all of our freedom. Paul was a gospel globetrotter and a trailblazer in ministry. His missionary endeavors are the very first real missionary endeavors of the church. There was no playbook. Nobody knew how this was supposed to go. But he was led by the Spirit, and he gave his life for the gospel. One of the ways that he was so effective is that early on in his ministry, he understood that he had to die to self and had to give up his freedoms. As a very proud Hebrew person, a Jew of great learning, he had all of the advantages life can give you. He had the best education. He had the Harvard education of his day, okay? He was truly brilliant. He had all the gifts, but people who are given those gifts sometimes kind of get haughty and arrogant. Paul was probably that man early in his life, but when Jesus got a hold of him, he let go of his sense of rights and freedom. You see, Paul wants to share, and he wants to be free, but only to share the gospel. That that doesn't mean that that Paul doesn't want to be free in the sense that he wanted to be chained down or something like that. But the problem is, the modern sense of freedom is my rights, me getting to do what I want. This morning, I want to beg you, don't be that Christian who is always arguing about what they want. I have to tell you, today we've had three services, we've had three different music styles, and I've already had people tell me which one they like the most and what true worship is. I'm going to tell you guys, if your freedom is about that kind of thing, if that's what you think is is most important, you're missing Paul altogether. This is the guy who gave his life for the gospel. I don't think he was worried about which music service he went to. See, we want to fight about what's ours. We want to get what's ours. And that's what's going to have to die in the church today so that the gospel can live. This generation needs to change this. We need to flip the script. We need to stop expecting everybody to do what we want. And we need to ask what God wants. That's what needs to happen. Sounds easy. But for that to happen, you're going to have to give up your mind in the sense of your will, your desires, We have to do better. Paul says here in verse 19 that he wants to be a servant. He wants to be a servant to all. The word there is slave. But why? To win more souls. That's what winning is in the church. Winning in the church isn't bigger budgets. It's not better buildings. Winning in the church is when people are coming to know Jesus, are being discipled in his name, and making more people come to see the light of Jesus. That's what winning is. And today too many of us think winning is, is that we've got the cool worship that everybody likes or the best preaching in the community. All those things are fine in and of themselves, but friends, to win, we need to win souls. That's what we're called to do. And we can do it. We have the power, but we have to surrender our minds. A Christian should never say, more for me, but they should always be saying, more souls for Christ. Don't be that person who's asking for more of what I want. But be that person who is clamoring and crying out for more souls. That's what happens when the church wins. We see people saved. I'm longing for that, that revival to come. Paul wants to share the gospel blessings with the world. Look at verse 23. And I want you to see there, he says this. He says, that I may share, very in there, that I may share with them in its blessings. I think that word them is important. I think that what Paul is trying to tell us is, is that the job that we do as Christians, okay, we can't do it alone. It's always a them proposition. When we are more concerned about getting our way, when we are more fired up about our rights, then we are not able to be the kind of people that we need to be in community, In verse 23, the beginning of the verse, he says, I do all for the sake of the gospel. He's saying, I'm coming together as the body of Christ and with the body of Christ so that the gospel can go forth. I've shared with the other two services I'll share with you. It's not in my notes, but it's in my heart. One of the real concerns I have for this COVID-19 era that we live in is that people are going to grow very comfortable with just doing church their own way, uh, tuning in when they want to, being online, but not in person. Listen, for us to be the church we need to be, we need each other. And you know what? Sometimes that causes a little bit of, of ruffling of feathers and irritation, because not all of you agree with me all the time, and that bothers me. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, that's kind of how our attitude is. We can be together, but we have to surrender our, our minds, our wills, our desires, I thought a lot about what is plaguing the church today and what it is that we need to be concerned about. Materialism, modernism, Wiccanism. I don't know what it is out there that you would see as the biggest threat, but I'll tell you what it is. The biggest threat to the church is that the church is filled with members who are unwilling to sacrifice for Jesus Christ. The biggest challenge we face is getting 80% of the average congregation to be on fire for Jesus, all for the gospel. And you're not going to be able to do that if your mind and your will are the focus. We have to flip this script and make Jesus our all. Let's talk now a little bit more. Um, As we talk about the mind, we've talked about what God is doing here. Look at verses 20 through 22. So as we're thinking through this today, our freedom in the mind is so important. And in verses 20 through 22, what you begin to see here is, is that as we begin to um, uh, look at the world around us, a lot of times what we do is we, we think, okay, my opinion is the same as Scripture. And if you'll notice here, Paul is talking about how he wants to become all things to all men. Now, here's the deal. He's not telling us that it's okay to, to uh, uh, fudge the um, or or, or cheat on the theology. What he's saying here is, is that we need to give up our traditions, our desires, our truths. Friends, we can never sacrifice truth, but we must always be willing to sacrifice our personal preferences for the sake of the gospel. Earlier, that's what I was talking about with like music styles and things of that nature. What a sad thing is that we often think that our traditions are the same as Scripture. Now, in this passage, it's very interesting. If you look at verses 20, 21, and 22, you see three different traditions very clearly spelled out. Two for sure, and a third that's more a heart issue. But he talks about Jews and Gentiles and then the weak. And what he's doing here is is he's reminding us that we have to sacrifice. We have to sacrifice our way when we think about God's way being the greatest. Now, Paul was raised a very strict Jew, as we know. And he was a man who really believed that the Jewish way was the only way. And then Jesus got a hold of him. But listen to what Jesus said about those like Paul who saw their way as the only way. Matthew 23 15 instructive one of the hard sayings of Jesus woe to you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte and when he becomes a proselyte you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself wow Paul was focused on his traditions but what he was doing was he was being more a child of hell than a follower of God Now, these people thought that they were following God with all their heart and mind and strength and soul. Instead, they were pulling people away from God. Church, we can't be guilty of that. We can't make that same mistake. He knew what it meant to appeal to the Jews with the gospel. He knew what it meant to appeal to the Gentiles and to the weak. And he knew that he was going to have to become all things to all people in order to save some. Listen to me. Friends, love you so much, but I want to just challenge you today. We can't win souls to Jesus and remain comfortable in any way, shape, form, or fashion. We can't just say, well, I believe that this is the way it needs to be, and I'm not going to change in my life. No, if we're not compromising theology We're okay. We can compromise in methodology if we need to. But friends, we have to get our hearts straight and right with God and say whatever it takes to win souls. That's the tone and tenor of the passage. Now let me show you this. In verse 20, notice this. Notice Paul realizes he's pushing up against some resistance here. Paul could have had a very negative, very negative attitude towards his Jewish opponents because these were the ones who were trying to kill him, literally. But he knew that the gospel of Jesus had the power to deliver the Jews from the blind legalism that they were in to beautiful grace. That's in verse 20. Paul could have looked down on the Gentiles because of their wicked practices. The Romans and the Greeks were well known in in the ancient world for terrible debaucheries. I mean, Paul could have just pointed a finger at them and said, you guys are too far gone. But he loved them and he knew that the gospel had the power To deliver those individuals from their demonic idolatry. And Paul could have also looked down on those who were spiritually weak. Those who, like many of us in this room, we were raised in church and we should know gospel truths, but many times we're not living our lives like that. We are weak theologically and spiritually. Paul could have looked down on them and said, you could have done better. You should have done better. I'm done with you. I know as a pastor, I think this is where I have often struggled to be in churches where we have people who say they've gone to church for 50 years and are mean as snakes. And I'm sitting there going, it's just easy to say, I'm done with you. You, you don't even seem to have the ability to smile. You've lost any, any joy in your, in your relationship with God. That's weakness. That's weak Christianity. That's easy to give up on. But Paul says, don't give up on those individuals because those individuals can be refreshed by the power of God. That's what Paul's talking about here when he says, I want to become all things to all people. He wants to help them here. The gospel is good for all people, but not all Christians seem willing to do what it takes to reach all people. We make excuses when we shouldn't. We need to own this. We need to get past our cultural expectations, our worldview, whatever it is that's tripping us up and put the gospel above all. We need the gospel to conquer our minds and hearts. The last thing I want to share with you today is we need to see God taking control of all of our body, our physicality, who we are as human beings. Modern professional athletes know what it takes to win. When you look at athletes, you realize that they are training every day of the year. They don't take days off when it comes to exercising. They eat the right foods. They stay hydrated. They invest everything in their sport. In the ancient Greek games, that's what Paul's talking about here in verses 24 through 27. We had a similar kind of thing. Did you know that the ancient Greeks, before you could get in the ancient Olympic games, you had to prove that you had trained for 10 straight months. You couldn't eat bad food, so no donuts for you, if they had donuts in those days. You uh, couldn't drink wine, which would have been something that would have been very unusual for the Greeks and the Romans to abstain from. Okay, that's, that was part of their worldview, part of their life. But they did that because they wanted to participate in the games, and they wanted to win. Notice Paul says, you know, everybody runs the race, but only one person wins. And they wanted to win in those games. You know what the trophy was? It was a wreath of parsley you heard me right parsley it was just a little bit of grass literally uh sitting on your your head an herb or something like that that's what you won. all that training at least 10 months of training all that sacrifice and you get what you know you would pull out of a hedgerow on your head doesn't seem like much we go wow that was so silly so you see grown men take a stanley cup and hold it up and they're crying and they're putting their babies in it and everything else right isn't that what the blues, I mean, that, you know, and, and you watch them, and, and I was so excited for the blues, but you say, what does that even mean? Because they don't get to keep it. They got to give the Stanley Cup back. And even if you've got the biggest trophy in your house and you put it right in your door as, as people walk in, here's what people think when they see that gigantic trophy. Wow, they really are proud of that. But they really don't care. You can show them your battle scars from, from you know, how you won that trophy. Nobody cares. It really doesn't matter that much. So here's what Paul's doing. He's saying, you know, people try awful hard to win. And he's asking Christians, how hard are you trying to win? What are you willing to do to win? I've already defined what winning is. We know that winning for Christians is that they win eternal souls for Jesus. In gospel endeavors, that's what winning is no more, no less. That is the ultimate prize. But the question that the church needs to answer today, that needs to be asked and answered, are we disciplining our bodies like an athlete would to win parsley on their head or a trophy in their trophy case? Are we disciplining ourselves to win souls? And if we understood the true value of a soul, would that change our behavior? I think the reason why we are not disciplined to win souls is because we're not considerate of how profound a soul is. A soul is going to live eternally with God or separated from God. And we forget that we get caught up in ministry we get caught up in doing good things good deeds all that's fine but remember don't lose sight don't lose track of what really matters what the prize is there's some words here in verse 25 like the word um for exercise there every athlete exercises the root of that word is where we get the english word agony that doesn't sound fun does it also notice the word discipline in verse 27. That word literally translates to strike under the eye or to beat black and blue like, like bruises. So the idea here is, is that a person is willing to undergo a lot of physical pain for spiritual gain. And I'm finding today in the church that most of us are scared to death of any physical pain, any discomfort when it comes to church. I mean, we will, we'll, and I can tell you this as, uh, for my own life, I mean, there's some days I go and come back from running, I feel like I'm going to die. I've, I've exerted a lot of effort. I'm sitting there thinking, why in the world would I do this to myself? But I'm just asking you, when's the last time that you pulled yourself along and pushed yourself along so that you would, would win people to Jesus, that you would be serving Jesus and you just felt worn out because of it, that you knew that you, you left your, your A game on the field? When's the last time you felt that way? I'm getting good answers back there. We want to be that person every day. And I know just speaking confessionally here there are many days that i'm not giving my best i used to think about it in seminary when i would work so hard to get an a and then when i got in ministry i wondered how many times i was really working that hard again to do ministry was i putting that much effort in a sermon was i putting that much effort in a, a you know a visitation visit i'm asking you that question are we disciplined for jesus are we willing to undergo agony for the King of kings and Lord of lords. Paul was willing to put his body through great stress for the possibility of a great revival. Are we willing to do the same? Are we willing to put ourselves in that place? We, being self-controlled, look at verse 25, being self-controlled mentally, spiritually, and physically so that we can be the church, the Christians that we're called to be. I have to tell you, To follow Christ and to do the work of ministry, it requires more than your hard work and my hard work. It requires the work that Christ completed on the cross for you and me. Did you know the blood of Jesus saves you, but it also sustains you? The blood of Jesus washed away your sins, but it also empowers you to do ministry. To do the work, the kingdom work that God has called us to be, and to do, we must trust in the cross of Christ. We cannot compromise that in the least. And only those who are, are fully hiding behind the cross can allow the power of the gospel to flow through their bodies for the kingdom's sake. I just wanna leave you with a couple of thoughts here this morning. Hopefully some, some things to apply to your heart and to your life. To be all in the gospel, what does that look like? What does it look like? What are we going to have to do different, church? Well, first, as we said earlier, we need to redefine what winning is. It's important for us at Ridgecrest Baptist Church to not fall prey to the latest fad or to think that winning is somehow just about the optics, what people say about us or think about us. No, souls are the goal. That's the, that's the prize that Paul is talking about in this text. It's what matters most. Church, we must redefine winning. We cannot allow the culture to define that for us. The second thing, church, we're gonna to need to do is we need to rediscover sacrifice. Throughout Christian history, the church has succeeded most when it sacrificed most. Today in, in America, As I've already said several times today, I I feel like, I fear that the church is spending so much of its energy fighting battles that are more, uh, it seems like more for themselves than for the kingdom. I've been guilty of this too, thinking about church kind of my way. As a pastor, you know, I I, I wanna do things a certain way. And there've been times where I've had people challenge me, see the ultimate measure of success there's going to be how much we're willing to sacrifice. For too long, the majority of the people in churches have allowed a small minority in the church to do all the sacrificing. That has to stop. And the third thing, we have to refuse to compromise gospel principles. The church cannot afford to turn a blind eye to suffering. I know that America right now and some of our big cities, even here in Springfield, there are protests and concerns. And I I know that anytime you you, as a pastor, say these things, people want it to be like all one way or the other. But let me just say this. Speaking with some African-American friends last week, I was reminded of how how blind I can be to the plight of the other. If you're if you're a a father and your son, has dark complexion, is African American or is ethnic, you're afraid to let him go out and run and take a take a jog down the street. Now, as as many of us in this room, we don't know what that feels like. We've not had that fear. But to talk with those pastors, they have that fear. The deaths of 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 people that have happened in the last few weeks and George Floyd and ah, Ahma, Ahmed Aubrey, these are our tragic deaths. These are examples of the brokenness of our world and we need to be very clear that those who are suffering, our African-American brothers in particular, we need to realize that, that loving them right now is a gospel issue. We need to have hearts of compassion and we need to realize that gospel principles require us to love every soul equally. There is no exception. And we want to balance that. There's, there, there are things going on right now as a result of this that we could all say that's not right and that's not right. Oh, I, I get that. But ultimately, friends, we have to surrender our hearts to the gospel. We have to realize that mind, body, and soul, we need to give all for the gospel. There's no excuses. No compromises. I hope you're all in for the gospel. Because we have a lot of work to do, and I believe we can be successful, and we can win. We can win souls to Jesus. Let's do that together. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us, or get connected, visit RidgeCrestBaptist.org.